Sasha Thompson is a respected and certified DEI coach. For the next 30 minutes, we'll get an exclusive look at some of her conversations with others in the field. Welcome to DEI After Five. Hello, everyone, and welcome to DEI After Five. I am really looking forward to this conversation um, because a couple months ago, I saw a post on LinkedIn that, you know, if I had my tambourine, I would have been like, yes, yes, thank you for that. Um, because so many DEI professionals, especially over the last few months, have been hired into some of these roles. Um, but when they get in there, they're not being allowed to do the job they were being hired to do. Um, and some of those made the news, right? A couple of vice presidents were hired to run diversity and inclusion. And then all of a sudden they were let go because they brought up race or ethnicity or some other aspect of diversity. And so today my guest is Kim Crowder. Um, Kim is a consultant in this space. She's the one that did the post that made me like, yes, that's what we need to talk about. Um, and so, Kim, I just want to welcome you to the show today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So I want to talk about that. Well, first, before we dive into that, um, I want folks to know where they can kind of get information from you. So you do have a newsletter that you put out. Um, and so we're going to put that at the bottom of the screen so folks can go to your website and sign up for your newsletter. Um, but want to dive right in. I want to talk to you about, I want to hear from you um, about that post, right? And, and why or what are we seeing right now with a lot of these practitioners being hired, but then not being able to do their jobs? Right. And so what are you seeing and what was the motivation behind that post? Yeah. You know, it's funny you asked me that because I can't, who knows what happened like on that day or the day before or whatever. But I do know that one of the things that we have seen as an organization is when we talk to companies, what we're finding is often there's a couple things. One, there's usually a lone person who is in charge of DEI. Yep. And then whatever that is, is tied to so much within the organization that it's hard to have a focus. So that's one. And then also what we're finding is that those folks who are in those roles are typically folks with historically ignored backgrounds. A lot of times it's women, particularly women of color, Black women, um, who are being charged to do this work sort of as the lone person uh, who's driving this. And so that is one of the things that continuously is a big concern of mine around health, around mental health, emotional health in this work. And also in that, what I'm also finding is that those folks who are uh, CEOs or those people who are COOs, who are, who are sort of the partners within the organization, that's a hope, right? In a perfect world, those are your partners within the organization. They themselves don't know to, how to identify when that person is experiencing resistance as part of some sort of discrimination. And so then you have this dual challenge of this person trying to move this work forward, but also trying to explain, hey, here are the issues I'm facing, particularly because of my background. And Sasha, I imagine that you and I could go on and on about even finding that as consultants, 
that we experience that even as consultants. So imagine if we were on payroll on a regular basis and inside of the organization, how that would be amplified. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so, um, it's interesting, right? Because there was such this, this influx of jobs, right? Diversity and inclusion jobs. And I would speak to people that were applying or thinking about them or would have gone through the interview and exactly what you said, many of the folks within the organizations don't even know the problems <laughs> that are there. Um, and then when you talk to people that are in some of these roles, they get pushback, right? Like, no, that's not the thing that's happening here, right? I don't know what you're talking about. What's the data say? Well, the data is saying exactly what I'm saying. Right. Um, and so how do you work with folks in that space? How, how can they look for some of those champions within the organization? Yeah, so I'm gonna say, I'm, I wanna back up to something that you said that the data says X, Y, Z. And the reason why I wanna back into that a bit is because one, if you're internal in the organization, sometimes the data you receive is different than the data that mm -hmm. someone who's external may receive. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because team members don't always feel comfortable disclosing their experiences or their thoughts to internal, you know, internal studies or that sort of thing. Right, particularly um, HR. Particularly HR. And then add to that, that companies are often looking at the, the data in aggregated ways, right? So looking at it as a whole, but also that companies aren't valuing qualitative data enough. Mm -hmm. And that is a big piece of it because the challenge with, I mean, Sasha, I'm like, I could wax poetic about, poetic about this all day. But the challenge is that when we look at Equal Employment Opportunities Commission's um, Opportunity Commission's dis, uh, description of mm -hmm. discrimination that is illegal in the workplace, it lacks nuance. Mm -hmm. And what we know is that in the workplace, it is all about nuance. Yes. And so that's the biggest challenge. And so for someone who is in that space, who is sort of saying, how do I gain champions and that sort of thing, I would I would start to, to encourage people as you are taking on these roles, that you are asking for that upfront, mm -hmm. that you sort of leave no stone unturned around your requirements for what this looks like in the workplace. Am I going to have a team? How soon can I hire that team? Well, here's what, it, ideally, what would that team look like? You know, what is our budget? I would ask those questions up front. Now, you talk about once you're in there and what happens, then hopefully you feel every agency to have direct conversations with the CEO and the COO and let them know exactly what you need from them. You define that and don't wait for them to bring that to you. And frankly, if you aren't getting that, move out. Um, because if you don't have that support, it's just not going to happen within that company. Yeah. And I think you touched on something too. It's the champions. Yes, the COO and the CEO absolutely need to be your champions in this because it, it has to come from the top. But I also feel it's important to know who are some of your accomplices within the organization as well too, right? Because you can't, it's a single person man all of it right. right so who are the other folks within the organization like what does this look like in marketing what does this look like in finance like talk to and really see who those champions are and who are the folks that um may be hindering progress in some ways right because i think that's important too 
I, I would agree with that. And my hope is that we start to move in a place where job descriptions, or, or excuse me, job performance reviews dictate support. Yeah. Yeah. So that support isn't sort of subjective around what that looks like, but that there is concrete ways that people are being held accountable accountable. And that is directly tied to the KPIs, what you know, yep. around their job, even around their pay. Um, we, we, yep. we are seeing, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, oh, what's the organization? Oh, shoot, I can't remember. A Salesforce, if I'm not mistaken, yes. Salesforce has started to tie. And I have not, you know, I need to do some research about exactly what this looks like. I don't even know if they've released that much detailed information where the pay of their executives is being tied to DEI outcomes. Yep. And so I say that to say, this is what we need in order to really hold organizations accountable in ways that are, are palpable. Mm -hmm. And so you, you are absolutely right in that we should be seeing support across the board. The hard part is what motivates people to support. And if you're sort of working off of only goodwill, it's not enough. No. And it's easily, easily shifted. Taken. Yep. Right? Taken. That's right. And so one of the things that um, I noticed, you say, we both actually say a lot, and I think it's what we're touching on right now, is like DEI is a part of the company's DNA. It needs to be a part of everything that that company and organization does, not just the people that they employ, but what are the products and services? Who are they touching in the community? How are they impacting in the industry? And we're starting to see a little bit more of that um, within the last two years, I will say. Um, but I think it's something that's, that's been critical. You know, it's been a nice to have for so long. But back to what your point is, those KPIs, it's understanding, okay, what are we measuring here as far as our impact is concerned? And it goes beyond just how many black and brown employees or how many employees with disabilities are we hiring, right? It, it definitely goes beyond that. So as a consultant, what are some of the challenges that you are facing um, as you're doing this work and getting, let's say the um, chief diversity officers or whatever the title of the role is, I was trying to think of like a, a, a common title, but they're all over the place right now. What are some of the challenges that you're facing as you're supporting them? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So I'll, I'll tell you one thing is that we often are not working with companies that have folks in diversity. And mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you why I think that is unfortunate. Because I think companies think that once they hire someone into that role, it is enough. Hmm. And that those folks don't need support. And so that is something actually we would love to do more of. Again, mm -hmm. we're seeing these folks as sort of this lone ranger who's doing this work. And that could be for a company of 2,000 employees or, or more. And they're expected to create this, um, you know, this, this, you know, quote unquote, we call, they call them initiatives and organizations. You and I both know it's bigger than that. Yeah. Um, what, who we typically see who end up sort of um, this work being put into their laps are the folks in HR. Yep. And the reason that that is so challenging is because HR does not consist of DEI. 
HR training does not consist of DEI. HR, you know, it, it is a bit of a focus on fairness, but it, it is also a focus on what is right for the organization. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not villainizing HR by any means. I'm just saying the function of HR was not DNI. It was not, it's not created to be DNI. And so HR folks are being put into these positions where they don't feel like they have the, the skill set to move this forward. And so in that, that is sort of where we are starting to come alongside those folks in HR. One is education. Here's what that looks like. And here's what that could look like for the work that you do. But we also want to pull this out so that it is not lying in their laps. And specifically saying, here are how the rest of your leaders need to be accountable for this within the organization as a greater support to what you have tasked HR to do. Yeah. And you touched on something that I talk about quite a bit, right? Yes, it's been thrown into HR because it's been a people process thing, right? DNI, DEI has been this people process thing. But not only are they not trained, many of them have their own internal biases and their own issues, and they haven't done the own, their own internal work yeah. to do this, yeah. right? So anybody that's followed me has known my story, right? That's a big part of why I left the corporate space. Yes. Because I was dealing with a leader in HR that hadn't, hadn't done her own internal work. Yes. Right? Think, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. No, no, no. It's like, and that, that's it. It's like you realize the damage that could be done, particularly for those that are in marginalized communities, when the person that's supposed to be in charge doesn't understand or see their own biases. Yeah, I think. You, so one of the things is that my story mirrors yours and, and many many of us right we can, you know um, we can talk about this all day but um that was my experience is that i was experiencing not i was experiencing it um from every level to be frank but specifically when i went to hr because mm-hmm. the hr was aligned with the ceo and i was reporting to the ceo who is my biggest challenge mm-hmm. and so then hr is co-signing that Mm-hmm. But also HR itself, the HR director at that time had many um, sort of internalized racism issues. Mm-hmm. Let's just call it what it is, right? Um, because it is bigger than bias. And the reason why I say it's bigger than bias is because it's directly connected to white supremacy. Oh, of course. And so I want to use those words um, to clarify what that means, because it's one thing to have a bias about sort of what pin you like to use or personalities that you click with. It's another thing to have your your practices rooted from a place of racism, from sexism, from uh, ableism, that sort of thing. And so we do experience that in the workplace. And even in, in that, even training doesn't always get you there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why, you know, part of my practice is the coaching piece, mm-hmm. right? To unpack some of those things, those barriers that are stopping a lot of these leaders from moving forward in this space. Because uh, to your point, they don't even realize how white supremacy may show up in them regardless of their race. Thank you. Of their that. Thank you. That's right. Because it's, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, ding, 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 ding. Because it's not just about you're having experienced whatever you experienced. It is, it's two things. It's one, your ability to even see that in other people, to mm-hmm. even see their experiences as valid or as, as 
could happen. And then it's also that we have all been imp impacted by white supremacy, period. Yeah. Period. And so the challenge is, is of getting there to accept that. A lot of people cannot accept that it's this good or bad thing. But also there's a piece which is rightfully so if you belong to a, a group that has been historically ignored, it's like, well, what happens to my group? Mm -hmm. We sort of concede to this, to this narrative or to this perspective. So listen, Sasha, you and I both know it is complicated. It's complex. It is nuanced. It is mm -hmm. challenging. And so what we do is we come in and provide the opportunity, because that's what it is. It is an offering yep. right? <laughs> for organizations and for people to unpack that. And we can only do as much work as the organization and the people allow. And that's just it. Yeah. I was just on a call with a client. And the one thing that I said was that I could see in their eyes where they were like, we never thought about that. I'm like, what is your culture? Define that. Yep. Because you have it articulated it to me, but have you articulated that to your team? And when you think about what you accept and what you don't accept as behavior, mm -hmm. what is that based in? Mm -hmm. Right. And one of the women said, oh, absolutely white privilege. Like, and wow. for them to, for that to click, I'm like, okay, so now that we've, put it out there on the table how do we deal with this right what does that look like as a part of your culture and what's acceptable on your team and they were trying to figure out okay well what does this have to do with diversity and inclusion i'm like this is inclusion this is the inclusion piece and the work that we're about to do is the equity piece right what are, what barriers are you removing or support are you providing to ensure that everyone can be successful and everyone feels valued here and so those are the things that I think, you know, you and I do as consultants is we help them see things that they don't necessarily see because they're in it, right? If they're the fish in the water. And so how do we um, continue to kind of peel back some of those layers? Yeah, I say for us, we do like the data-driven piece. I'm Six Sigma Leadership Certified. Um, that is directly connected to org culture shifts and changes. Yeah. We have someone on our, on our team who knows Kata well and strategic thinking because we do need to see this happen in their processes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, relying on sort of the goodwill of people for us is not enough. Uh, not because people don't want to be good, but sometimes people don't know how to be good and what good looks like for other groups, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, you know, that your version of good may not be the version of good that I'm looking for and that I need. Uh, mm -hmm. And also one of the things that, you know, around what you mentioned around workplaces, what we find is that um, there's a, a lot of fear around this work. Yes. And what we find also, particularly in the C-suite, um, is that their version of what they have been focusing on could be very different uh, around what another department or another employment level has been focusing on around this work. So yeah. I'll give you an example of that. We've had clients in the past where, because we talk to folks across the organization as a base point, as that beginning discovery piece. And what we have found is that when we talk to folks who are on that ground level, particularly if they are a customer facing, that they're already having a lot of conversations mm -hmm. that haven't made it up to the C-suite. 
Mm-hmm. Because the C-suite doesn't have to have those conversations. And so we walk in and we say things like change the pronouns on Zoom. And we get leadership pushing back on that. When part of the application process for those workplaces that are customer facing, make pronouns a part of the conversation because they want to, you see what I mean? Yep. So that there's the, this sort of swath of conversations in the way that this is showing up in the workplace. And so it is not necessarily, which is why we are so passionate about working with folks who have power in the organization, but also, also making sure organizations own the fact that they've created those environments. Exactly. Because that is a big one. Um, You know, sometimes organizations are like, well, we want to pin the movement on you. Nope. I didn't create this environment. Mm -hmm. We are coming in, my team and I are coming in to sort of um, counter and maybe even uplift some of the areas that you all have already, you know, that you all are already strong in, but we're countering, you know, years and years of building a workplace a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so again, as we are, you know, thinking about this, my hope is that what, what happens with organizations is that they realize that this is not an overnight shift. Right. And this is very different than you're creating like internal uh, communications and branding around a certain thing in that you are uh, pressing up against societal norms that have been in place since the inception of this country. And our country still has been unwilling to do this work. Yes. And so know and understand that what is happening in society mirrors your workplace every single time. Yeah. You know, you touched on something just now that... Um... I think is important and critical. It's leadership, and I say executive leadership, board level for so long has, what's the checkbox? Like let's do the bare minimum. Yep, we've done that. Social media black box, yep. We're gonna support black lives. And that's why I say this, this shift has happened in the last two years because that's probably the first time where it's like, it's not enough. And what we're seeing in kind of conjunction with this is part of that great resignation are folks that are asking those questions as they're looking at their employers or looking at other organizations to go to. Like, where is this not window dressing? What does your leadership team look like? What initiatives do you have in place specifically for Black women? Mm -hmm. What are you doing for Native American employees? Mm -hmm. Right, They're asking very specific questions and companies now are realizing like, oh, this cannot just be window dressing. We have to do the work. And so how can we start to match our words and our actions? Yeah. I think what what we are seeing, we're starting to see right now. Yeah, one of the questions we ask uh, the folks in the C-suite, so we do these these one-to-one conversations with members of the C-suite as part of our discovery. And we ask, what are the biggest challenges that your team members from historically ignored backgrounds are having within the organization? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, frankly, we're not even asking that question for an answer. We're asking that question for a bit of enlightenment mm-hmm. where leaders have to say, we don't know. Yeah. And so it is, some of it is just, let's just bring this to light. But then again, on the flip side, like then we can have some leaders who are like, oh, I can tell you exactly. I've been mm-hmm. thinking about this for the last six years. I just didn't feel comfortable saying it. 
And so I, my hope is that as we continue to do this work, that there will be a bit of um, reorganization around the way that the C-suite is created. That's a mm -hmm. hope. And, and that, that, that one question, you know, even if we said that, you know, use that one question would become part of, you know, your interviewing processes. Yeah. Asking that one, you know, in your past role, what were some of the major issues? Can you imagine adding that question, you know, as a requirement and, and then um, increasing the points of that question? Does that make yeah. sense? And oh, then yeah. saying, as a leader, what was your, what, you know, how did you impact that? Yeah. What was your role in supporting that? Yeah. And I think what will happen with that, I love that question, um, is it puts a gold star on the importance of it, mm -hmm. right? Like this is, we need to see what your role was in impacting this previously, because we need to know that this is important to you to be part of this culture, right? And it goes back to, how do you create a culture of inclusion? And that's it. You can't just have a basic <laughs> intake process and then expect people to right. talk about diversity and inclusion when they've probably never even done it at their last job. Or never even broached it. Um, I remember our working with a client and, and um, them feeling like we were asking the same questions over and over. Mm -hmm. Which we weren't. We were trying to figure out what that individual's leader's level of engagement has been over the years around that. Mm -hmm. Even if your company is, comes to us and says, we haven't been thinking about this. We, we've just started in the process. What we know is that that is not true for every single leader in the organization. Yeah. That there have been people in your organization thinking about this. And that maybe you as a leader haven't thought about this. But that is because you have not been asked to do so and you have not been held accountable to do so. And what, when we say held accountable, because I think people get really afraid around this language of being held accountable. Right. Um, but all that means is, is for the same things that you are asked to do in your workplace that you you know see on your job performance review, we are asking that this become a major part of that. Yes. That is, I mean, really. And so to take some of that stigma out of it, and not only that is, we'll give you the tools and the skill sets to do it. We just need you to do it. Right. Um, so uh, the willingness of that uh, is going to be extremely important. And, and Sasha, here's, here's what I will tell you. If we wait for everybody to feel good about this. You'll be waiting forever. <laughs> ever. ever. We cannot do it. No. We cannot do it. It has to become part of the function and the processes in the workplace period yeah. whether people like it or not because one people hate change change is just in you know in and this is across the board in our dna change is hard change is challenging mm -hmm. and so in that we have to get over this idea that this is going to feel really warm and fuzzy right. in the process and also get away from this idea that the folks in the organization who have been historically ignored are going to guide you Right. And are going to share their thoughts and should be telling their stories and telling you what's not happening in the organization because that directly puts them in danger. Yeah. Which is why I am not a fan, Sasha, of this idea of psychological safety mm. because it does not exist for us. 
So it's interesting. Oh, that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Because <laughs> I do a lot in psychological safety, but my approach to it is probably a little bit different mm -hmm. because of my lived experience in the space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but what I want to do um, is do a little bit of a shift because we've talked about how taxing some of this work can be. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot, right? Especially if you're the only, or if especially if you're coming into as a consultant, I know, you know, coming into an organization that hired you, but at the same time they were hiring you to check a block. But yeah. <laughs> and didn't realize, like, whoa, she's gonna make us do some work, right? And then, you know, in the evening you're just like, ooh, okay. So, what do you do? to fill your cup? What do you do to kind of take care of yourself as you're going through this work? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that question. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you this twofold. I'm going to give you what I do personally, but I'm also going to tell you what I do professionally, mm -hmm. because I think part of that is extremely important. Uh, professionally, I have a lot of boundaries around mm -hmm. the days that I have meetings, around my time box for exactly what I'm doing. But I also have a team that I put into um, you know, into roles around facilitation and that sort of thing. I let I let team members do what they're best at, but I also let team team members show up where I don't have to be. Mm -hmm. Because what that does is it takes me out of some of the day-to-day stressors. I don't need to be involved in every single conversation. I don't need to be involved in every single interview um, as part of our processes. And so allowing my team members to step in so that I can step back and do some other things is mm -hmm. great. I also, um, professionally, I talk about joy and I talk about accomplishments. And I work really hard to do that because especially for those of us who are doing media, that's not the stuff that gets media play. Right. And so how do we, you know, how do I carve out making sure that I um, acknowledge the triumphs that are happening out in the world, but also with our clients. What is that? Did they just hire someone new into the C-suite because of something they were told, you know, that we shared with them or, or some of the work that we've done? Are we starting to see shifts in the way that they are, are managing people? Are we seeing shift in promotions and project, you know, the way that people are being assigned to projects? So, you know, looking for the triumphs and the wins and celebrating that with our partners. Mm -hmm. So personally, I would say I travel a lot. Um, traveling for me uh, is a, is a sort of a mind freer um, because I'm, I travel internally inside the, Uni the United States, but I also travel abroad. One of the things that that does is it brings culture, brings me to culture as much as possible, right? You know, as a tourist, yeah. you can only do so much, uh, but it allows me to see things beyond my sort of day-to-day -day bubble. Yeah. Uh, I also have, you know, on my calendar, some Fridays where, uh, you know, I, I take half days uh, mm -hmm. regularly so that I can have some time to decompress. I also have days of the week where I will not schedule meetings so that I can have time to do admin work, have time to do research, you know, have time to really vision board for, for our clients and work with my team in that way. Um, and I also spend a lot of time with people who, who love me, who bring me joy. Um, that could be family members, that's friends. Um, and we do, we have experiences together. So, you know, going out and doing things together 
or you know, having a little wind down night or something like that, watching a fun show, something where I'm creating regular experiences for myself. And this was not always the case. This was this had to become intentional. I had to become really a, intentional around building sort of this, um, you know, a, a safe space for myself. And then the last part I would say is this, and it can it, I would say personally and professionally is I have a lot of help. I have a community. Mm-hmm. And that community looks like a business coach. It looks like other entrepreneurs who I text and call and say, hey, I'm dealing with this. What does that look like for you? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, so I can think tank with my team around a challenging issue within an organization. Um, I also open my doors. So one of the things that I do, I mean, look, Sasha, we talk about money. We Mm -hmm. talk about our processes and services. I've had people open their books for me and be really kind. So I want to give that back. That fills my cup, particularly to those folks who are um, from historically ignored backgrounds who want to do this work. How do I knowledge share in this Mm -hmm. space? And then, you know, taking care of myself, being healthy, exercising, trying to eat right. And then also having a therapist and a Black woman therapist who understands and who has my same experiences. So Um, It has taken me, though, Sasha, a while to get here. So I want to say this because I know that there are people kind of, you know, who could listen to this and be beating themselves up because they don't have those boundaries. It takes intentionality. It takes finding people who will hold you accountable to your own boundaries. Um, (laughs) That are a big part of this. But it also takes knowing yourself and in knowing yourself, building your life first and your business second. Yeah. So putting your life in place and then making the business fit into your life. I love it. I love that piece right there um, because I think it's so critical. And you hit on things that I talk about all the time, right? The importance of your community of support mm-hmm. and who's in that community of support and, and self-care and, and making sure that you are right and healthy, right? Mind, body, and soul. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. So Kim, thank you so much for joining me today because I think you you hit on so many different things that um, people don't necessarily think about when they're in this space. And this, you know, the whole purpose of the show is to do that. And so again, you know, it's been running at the bottom of the screen. If people want to get in contact with you, your website, um, so that will be coming there, and then you're and they can find you on social media as well. Absolutely. And also to add, follow us on LinkedIn as well, um, which is where Sasha saw that pose that prompted her to reach out uh, and, and, you know, always just open to conversations with folks um, who want to learn. So check out the website, KimCrowderConsulting.com. And Sasha, I just want to thank you. Sasha is has been doing this work for, for quite a while. Thank you for doing this work. Thank you for, be, for being diligent. Thank you for being willing to have um, these conversations because we need them. We, need, we, are, we, we have to do this work in community. And in my mind, doing things like this is building community. Thank you so much, Kim. <laughs> thank you. Thank everyone for joining us today. And as always, I'm, I hope that you were able to get a couple of nuggets out of it today. Um, be sure to subscribe on YouTube, follow us on your favorite podcast station, and we will see you next time. Have a good one. Oh, 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 oh,